For several weeks now, I've been inviting you to check your default settings in several areas of your spiritual life. And just to refresh our memory, default refers to one of the definitions is a selection made usually automatically, automatically or without active consideration. So I just invite you to think about some of those areas of your spiritual life where we make decisions and sometimes they're automatic. We don't give it a whole lot of thought. It's just the way we do things. Uh, we looked at uh, whether our default setting is to go or not to go in terms of when it comes to regular worship attendance. Uh, some of us, if I said three weeks from today, are you going to be in church? You wouldn't think, you wouldn't look at your calendar, you'd just say, yeah, because that's kind of your default setting. For others of us, it would be, well, let me see what all the activities are. And, and, and again, I'm not saying good, bad, or otherwise, but it's imperative that you understand what your default setting is. Last week, I challenged us to wrestle a little bit with spiritual growth. Is it my default setting to intentionally, consistently, perhaps automatically do things uh, to enhance my spiritual growth or development? And today I'm asking us to wrestle with the default setting of mine or his. And just to be, again, totally up front, my goal, my prayer goal, I guess, would be three possible responses um, for you to wrestle with. One response might be, all good here. As you listen to what I have to say, it serves as a a good reminder. And you just feel encouraged to stay the course. Uh, Another possible response might be, let me think about it. Uh, Maybe there won't be any change in my behavior as a result of what I hear or my default setting. But my, my thought process might be tweaked or adjusted a little bit. And another possible response might be, might be time for some change. Perhaps for some of you, changing the way you think will result in changes in behavior. Uh, so again, I come back to this. Check your default setting, mine or his. And I, I have a little test for you to start with. Um, Who can tell me what this is? Don't, what, what, what? Offering plate? Anybody call it anything different? Collection plate? Cool. I, I, I'm curious, and, and I know some of you may have an answer to this, but do you ever see these used anywhere but church? No? All right. So my question is, well, we call it an offering plate, a collection plate. Um, what's your first response when you see an offering plate? Put something in it, all right? So we think about church because we don't see it anywhere else. We think about giving. Uh, for some of us, it may be, you know, there, there's, a, there's a thought about, you know, sacrifice. Uh, but we all understand what it's for. I mean, again, I, I just think about, you know, we, we go other places and, you know, there's somebody at the door. You didn't have to buy a ticket to get in. But it, but. It, the whole idea of passing the offering plate, at times I think about for someone who doesn't have a church background at all to come in and have strangers walk up to you and put this in your face after you've seen other people put stuff in and you're just thinking, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? 
Uh, just curiosity, by show of hands, how many of you in here uh, contribute to this ministry through online giving? So you realize that for many people, when we stick this in front of them, they're never going to put something in. And hopefully we don't think differently because they don't think, well, gee, how come they never give anything? But anyway, that's a bunny trail for another day. My question is, is in keeping with my title, when does this go from being mine to being his? Is this a magic plate where now it's his? Oh, now it's mine. Now it's his. Now it's mine. No, it's not. When does this go from being mine to his? It's always his. So in answer to the question, mine or his, it's his because I don't want to take it back out of the plate. But anyway, uh, scary. Uh, but, but that's the mindset that we have been taught in how we view the offering plate and what we put in the offering plate. And we give that answer. But my question is, is that mentality at the core of my being, my default setting. Because I would suggest to you that many of us, as good Americans, don't quite make it to that mentality. And, and, and I want to look at a couple of passages of Scripture that people in my role often turn to when we talk about the offering plate. And again, I'll tell you right up front, it's the parable of the talents, and it's in Malachi chapter 3. Uh, preachers love these passages, um, and there's good stuff here. I'm going to walk through these, and, and the second one's kind of lengthy, but we're going to go through it together. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? So in other words, the the prophet Malachi is saying, you know what? You're God's people, and you're kind of off course. And the people, as we're wont to do, is their question is, well, just how are we off course? And so he decides to point to a very specific uh, part of it. And he says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? Just imagine having this conversation with God. But but how are we robbing you? And he says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, as I said, preachers love this, especially this last verse. And and I think about some of the potential um, places that we fixate our attention um, and sometimes miss the core of it. Uh, Preachers love, myself included, the whole idea of bring the whole tithe, all right? Bring it all, all right? Not, Not parts of it, but the whole tithe. And the biblical teaching on the tithe, as we've emphasized repeatedly, and rightly so, I don't think we can ever overemphasize it because it's not really about money, and we're going to touch on this, but bring the whole tithe. 
The Bible calls for us to bring 10% of what God provides to us. It belongs to him. We're to bring it back to him. And preachers love to emphasize the whole time. Now, statistically, the reality of that happening is relatively small. It's just a statistical fact uh, that the vast majority of us don't bring a literal 10%. That's a message for another day. But pre- preachers love that idea. And, of course, the storehouse, because we like to think of ourselves, our local Christian church, as the storehouse. So, of course, we want you to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And then as we go on, we like that latter part where it talks about you know, the promise, that if, that if we do this, God's going to throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. It's good stuff. And I'm not here to discount that in any way, shape, or form. But I I want to go back to what it said earlier about this idea that not tithing is somehow robbing God. Now, again, uh, that's kind of a scary thought. If God is who and what we say he is, the thought of robbing him uh, sounds pretty intimidating. But that's not even what I want to emphasize. I, I go to the definition. Rob says to take property unlawfully from a person or place by force or threat of force. Now, I'm just making the same point over and over and over again if you haven't figured it out. If I'm robbing God by not giving, then it means what I have to give is actually God's to begin with. I cannot rob God if it's not his. It's all his. The default setting that I'm calling us to is it's God's before I give it, it's God's after I give it, and it's God's even if I don't give it. Today's message is not about what or how much you give. Today's message is what's in my mind and what's in my heart with regard to what's in my hand. Is it his? Because we have an incredible capacity to make it mine. You think about it. You think about when your kids learned how to talk. Right? Usually no is first, mom is second, and mine is third. Right? Mine are his. And, and this is what I want you to wrestle with as far as your default setting. Is viewing everything I have and everything I am as belonging to God my default setting. It's interesting because personally, when I hear people speak on the subject, I would be far more, excuse me, I would be far less uncomfortable if they just talked about giving. Because there's a standard at which, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching a certain percentage. I'm even going above a certain percentage. So I'm good with that. Excuse me. But this idea of having a core value at the very center of my being, where I acknowledge that it's all His, makes me incredibly uncomfortable. 
I've said to you before, there are some areas, there are some possessions that I'm good with saying, God, it's yours. You do whatever you want. But then there are those others where it's like, mm, not that one. I, that one's mine. So I hope you wrestle with that. And, and again, that's really my objective. The other story uh, is in Matthew chapter 25. And, and we're just going to walk through it. It's a lengthy passage. I don't normally do a passage this long in this fashion, but we're going to do it. Uh, verse 14, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Now, again, in Matthew chapter 25, uh, Jesus is, is offering some significant teaching to his disciples because he's understanding that, that his time to instruct them on end times issues is growing smaller. And so he's, this is one of the teachings he offers. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one, one bag. To another one bag. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So again, you got the master. He entrusts some stuff to five bags to one, two bags to another, one bag to another. And, and, the, and the master's often gone on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave five, gained five bags more. Woohoo! We good with that? Huh? I, I want to know where he invested because I could go for some of that. All right? Uh, verse 17, he says, So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Again, significant return on his investment. Uh, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, friends, um, myself included, there's a great temptation to bash the third guy. All right? He didn't squander his master's money. He protected it. What's wrong with that? I don't know. Verse 19, after a long time, again, he's gone a long time. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. Woohoo! All right. 21, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful of a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, friends, when your day's done, when, when you're all done here on earth, I would hope that all of us aspire to having the master greet us with those words. You've done a good job. I entrusted things to you. You managed it well. Well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 22. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And again, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful of a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Good stuff. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown. And gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Again, he, he, here's what you gave me. I took good care of it. I didn't lose any of it. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I had not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. 
Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. As I look at that story, I think about some of the many different teaching points that I've worked through as I've taught on that in the past. Talk about it. I mean, there's great stuff there. Talk about some got more than others. Now, is that unfair? I, it says each got according to the ability that they had. It sounds to me like the, the master was being a good businessman in terms of saying they have different skill sets. I will entrust different things to them. Maybe they've proved themselves in other situations, so I will treat them each differently. I've taught before by emphasizing some produce more than others. Some people saw a greater return because maybe they made better investment choices. Maybe they worked harder at it. But, but that's certainly something to think about. You know, the question we ask is, you know, what am I producing with what's been entrusted to me? There's great sermons on that. Some were rewarded while others were condemned. Great teaching there in terms of emphasizing there are consequences for the choices that we make. But for my purpose today, I go back to verse 14. Whose gold was it to start with? It was the master's. The story started out by saying he called who? His servants, not his business partners, not his friends. He called his servants, and he entrusted whose wealth? It was not the servant's wealth. It was the master's wealth. And he entrusted it to them with an expectation that they would manage it with diligence and efficiency. But sometimes when I and others teach on this, we, we don't emphasize strongly enough. It was the master's wealth. The question that I've asked, mine or his, is viewing everything I have and everything I am as belonging to God, my default setting. Can I suggest to you the offering plate, and, and this is a church term, it, it has application elsewhere, but we tend to hear it more often. The offering plate is really about the question. Every time I see it, it should prompt me to ask the question is, mine or his? Mine or his? Not just what I put in the plate. Everything I have and everything I am, mine or his. The church term, stewardship. The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. 
just chew on it for a second. Everything I am and everything I have belongs to God. And they have been entrusted to me to carefully and responsibly manage. Not just what I put in the plate. Not just what I click online. Everything. I, I love it. There's a commercial running right now, and I know none, nobody else here watches TV, so you've probably not seen it. Um, but there's a commercial right now. And, and again, raise your hand when I start if you see it. It talks about, imagine my, 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 16, or my 15-year-old grandson uh, just got his first car this week. All right? And, and, and the gist of the commercial is, imagine that you, you get your first car. And it's the only car you're ever going to get. Have you seen the commercial? And, 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 they, and they talk about that. And it's like, you know, how would you treat that? Some of you know that vehicle maintenance is not exactly high on my priority list. All right? Because when it finally dies, I'll sell it for scrap because by the time I'm done abusing it, that's all it's good for. So don't buy a used car from me. You'll regret it. I guarantee you. But by the time I'm done with it, push it to scrap heap and get another one. But the commercial is, imagine how you would treat that car if, if it's the only car you're ever going to get. Wow. And then it makes the point, you're only going to get one body. Now, they may replace pieces parts, but usually the replacement parts aren't nearly as good as the original factory parts. All right. And again, it's about a whole DNA testing thing, and that's a whole rabbit trail I won't go down. But I, the concept is we have a lot that has been entrusted to us. Some of you are five, five bags people. Some of us are two bags people. Some of us are one bag. Some of us may think we're only getting part of a bag. But the, 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 the core concept here is that whatever I have, five bags, two bags, bag and a half, half a bag, 62-year-old body, 42-year-old body, 22-year-old body, it's his. And he has entrusted it to me for me to manage Carefully and responsibly. When I said the offering plate, when I look at it, can make me think about the core of my being. Is this mine or his? Do I view everything as mine or his? Or is it kind of 50-50? God, you can have this and I'll keep this. I said it's a stewardship issue. The fact that we are stewards... We have been entrusted with something to manage or lots of some things to manage. But I would suggest it's also a lordship issue. Friends, this concept of mine or his calls us to one of the fundamental biblical truths that is really tough to apply, and that's that he is Lord, he is master. And I am subject. Now we have something, I think we all have it, called 
a human will. And there is just something inherent within us that bristles at the concept of not being our own master. But we're called to a spiritual realm where we acknowledge that he is Lord and I am subject. It's all his, but I enjoy the benefits. We're called to a spiritual reality where he is father and I am child. It's all his, but I enjoy the benefits. And one day, as a child, it will be mine. Mine or his is viewing everything I have and everything I am as belonging to God, my default setting. Friends, even though I talked about the offering plate a lot and I read some great passages on the concept of giving, this is not about giving. It's not about giving more. It's not about giving less but rather about how I view everything entrusted to my care. Do I really view him as Lord and Master and myself as follower and steward? I think we all knew the right answer when I asked about when it becomes his. The question is, does that right answer permeate everything I do, and everything I say. Would you pray with me? Father, as I said earlier, I just want us to wrestle with how we view stuff and how we view the very life you've entrusted to us. Father, I suspect every one of us here would say, I I want to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. I want to feel like in your eyes there has been a return on the investment. That the things you entrusted to me, the life you entrusted to me, the possessions you entrusted to me, the relationships you entrusted to me, ended up generating a significant return on your investment. But, Father, the reality is every day we live in an environment that invites us, that expects us to take ownership of stuff that is yours. So, Father, again, as I said earlier, for some of us, we don't need to change a thing. This is just a good reminder of why we do what we do good reminder that it's yours for some of us that we're faithful in giving we're faithful in offering our life to you but it's just good to be reminded that the reason we're faithful is because it's all yours it's just all yours for others of us it's a bit of a reality check understanding that i need to embrace the fact that it's yours And if I embrace that fact, maybe I need to change some of the things I do to make sure I'm maximizing the investment. 
of what you've entrusted to us. Thank you, Father. Amen.